This is Kathleen Kinmont, Kelly Meeker from Halloween 4, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There horror movie podcast, Cops Do It By The Book. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Uh, we're going to welcome welcome you everybody back to the show for what I guess is now the third time, if you include our little talk at Spooky Empire in Orlando uh, a few months ago, the amazing Kathleen Kinmont. Kathleen, thank you so, so much for joining us again. How are you? Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm really well, and I'm happy to be back with both of you and your fan base, and uh, just really enjoy you guys a lot. So thanks for thanks for letting me be a repeat offender. Hey, that means a lot to us, and uh, absolutely really appreciate that. Um, so I'll just kind of jump right into the questions, and you know, like I mentioned, since this is not our first interview with you. Uh, we're going to just kind of jump into some of the newer stuff that you've been up and working on since our last chat. If, if anybody wants to hear about Halloween four or Kathleen's early career, check out that mm-hmm. early interview that we did at don't go out there.com. Uh, but first off, you know, it's not really new and we did touch on this a little bit, but let's just talk a little bit more about your book. I should have been nicer to Quentin Tarantino. Everybody can pick that up on Amazon, by the way, it has a 4.7 rating out of five. Um, you know, when we talked about wow. or talked at Spooky Empire, I mean, you were considering maybe telling some of those stories on your social media, uh, going a different route with that. I mean, have you thought any more about that? Yes, I've thought about it a lot ever since you guys actually really brought it up. That was your uh, seed that you planted in in the atmosphere. And I love that idea. In fact, I'm actually going to a an open mic tonight at this place called the Peace Awareness Labyrinth nice. Gardens, and I'm taking my book. <laughs> <laughs> how uh how it's going to be received but i'll read a chapter and uh yeah just kind of take the pulse on that but i, I think it's a really cool idea I, I i really do want to do that because there are 52 chapters and there's 52 weeks in a year i'm a little bit behind Oops. <laughs> but i can always play catch up a little bit and um yeah, I think it's, I mean, I mean, just to kind of, you know, not read the whole chapter, obviously, but just right. look at the chapter and and just give a little bit of what that chapter means to me, you know, like a minute of of a reflection on that. And uh, yeah, I think that's a really, really great idea. I think that it's a beautiful way to get the book out there. And it's also... Um, you know, it's another part of the journey for me as an author because, you, I mean, you think about it, like, you know, how often do you really get to revisit that book unless it's made into a movie or a TV series or something and it has another shelf life to it. But, uh, you know, yeah, and maybe that'll be the next chapter. Who knows? Right. And uh, you had mentioned that, you know, you were, you were kind of, I guess, had written the book to begin with uh, for your daughter you know, to read. Yes. And, uh, so, you know, I, I think that that's, would be a fantastic way to save those stories, not only 
written but digital as well so right I think that's, right that's yes i idea. agree i think that's a it's a beautiful idea and and it would certainly um maybe propel my 19 year old daughter into actually reading the book <laughs> but she's <laughs> you know like every other 19 year old has their full life agenda she's a dancer and I, I really don't promote her on my own social media because i feel like she should have that um that that opportunity to promote herself the way that she wants to promote sometimes i feel like it gets into that sticky area of somebody yeah. who has a fan base and using that to kind of launch your downstream and i don't know that every down you know every kid ever always appreciates that for one because you know it's like it's not their fans it's not their thing but i also want to give her that that privacy and and that sacred opportunity to just create her own fan base you know right. she's going to have her own thing going and i just so respect it and really just want it to be hers. And uh, yeah, you know, I see a lot of people promoting their kids and their babies and stuff. And that's one thing because they're still so little, but then I'm just always so, um, I'm, I'm always just kind of terrified of the element out there. <laughs> right. I understand. Some people should be, I think. Everyone, right. whether you're famous or not, you just got to be so careful about what you put up in a public forum of, this is the thing I care about most. Right. You know? And yeah. I don't know. It kind of leaves you wide open to whatever dipshit is out there that wants to yes. hurt you. So yeah, even it's if it's a random dipshit. You know, or it could be like a dipshit in your family or for a friend. I don't know. I, whatever. I'm going way too. No, <laughs> no yes. that's, abs that's absolutely true. And someone who has kids, I worry about that all the time. So I completely understand. Yeah, um, right. You know, you become a parent and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I have primal um, Rocky Mountain Grizzly uh, DNA. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for, for instilling that. Um, that awareness about my book, I really appreciate it because my book has never really gotten the um, push that it ever deserved. So, right. Well, I mean, not good. only not only just that book. I mean, you have other books like Magic and Beauty. I mean, is is writing something that you're going to keep doing? Uh, you know, something keep going with as a creative outlet? You know, to kind of complement acting. And do you have any other books planned? Uh, you have a future with that going on? You know, I have. I thank you. I I'm really excited about both of them. I um I don't really have another one planned, but I would really like to uh kind of trend on both of them. I think that magic and beauty because it's my conception of the creation of the planet, which is a pretty big idea, and I don't think anyone owns the copyright to that, so we can pretty much riff as much as we want to on that concept and um but because the the way that the bible created it was seven days and and all of these different things happened you know throughout the course of that that you could just kind of use that as a really nice template <laughs> for a series of of you know the fish in the sea and then 
animals on the land and then birds in the air and and then you know people and i don't know i kind of think that there's there's a shelf life there with some kind of um animated idea and uh i'd really like to experience that maybe kind of go forward on that that's that's the idea with magic and beauty and and i guess you know with my my life um i don't know if you can hear my boyfriend but he's a, a woodworking artisan and he's the, the, the shop is literally on the other side of this wall so if you do hear some woodworking his name is doug miller he is actually the um amazing bass player from that band crazy town you remember oh, that, wow. That's that cool awesome, band? Yeah. and yeah he's really cool and he's <clears throat> now he builds guitars so he's in the shop building guitars right now. Nice. Um, so just creativity. Oh, you can even see the cool rainbow behind me. Magic and beauty. <laughs> uh, my daughter put these like those things, those filters over your windows so that the neighbors can't see, but the rainbows can. Um, so they get, the rainbows get in. Um, and with, with Quentin Tarantino, you know, I think that's just like, that's just life experiences and totally, um, a random, uh, random template of things, uh, topics that, that matter, you know, like my original template that I used for the book was from the prophet Khalil Gibran. So he had, you know, things that matter on forgiveness, on death, on birth, on marriage, on laughter, on, you know, and mine went further on. Uh, and uh, so I've been writing like titles throughout my ever since I finished writing that one. So I've got about 20. We'll see if I go back and do like a sequel on that. Nice. I'm really, really story, like idea uh, creative where I have scripts and they have nothing to do with these books, you know, and I have, right. I have a pilot. I have, I have screenplays for features. Um, I'm writing a screenplay right now with my brother, Matt. Um, uh, it's the feature length to a short that I did called Mrs. Sweeney and that starred my mom. And it was, um, it's basically that grim fairy tale of the, that wicked old lady that lives down the street. Stay mm -hmm. out of her yard. <laughs> <laughs> because she becomes like the witch from Hansel and Gretel and your kids start disappearing. So what do you, what happens when you've got these really bored kids who need uh, some outlets and they start messing with this old woman? And the reality is the elderly these days, you don't know who you're dealing with, you know? They could, be, they could be out of the Korean War, the Nam War, right. Iraq. Pick a pick a you know pick mm -hmm. a gnarly scenario, and you might have that person living next door, loaded to the teeth, you know. So and God love them, they're a red-blooded right. American who should be armed and dangerous. 
and ready to <laughs> fight to protect themselves and their property and their homes. And when people come and start messing with your home and your life, then you should be allowed to defend that. So, um, you know, I'm not the only woman who feels this way. And I think that, uh, you know, we, it's a, it's an idea that is definitely being tested right now. Right. And, um, and I think that, uh, you know, people should be able to protect their, their situation. So I, I really went for it with this whole idea and like what happens when kids get in over their head, you know, nice. and like, Hey man, right. we were just ding dong ditching. What's the problem? <laughs> right. So, so there's kind of a lot of point of views on that. And then uh, the, the short did really well. So I wanted, we want to make it into a, a feature and I'm, I'm writing that and it's, it's pretty scary and it's pretty funny and it's intense and uh, you know, kids and the elderly and uh, everyone in between. Yeah. <laughs> you said your you said your mom was in that. So did you write this part and draw from real life experiences, or is there some truth to this? <laughs> yes, there is some truth to this. We did some pretty naughty things when we were kids, and um, you know we were. It was before the cell phone, and and I mean all we had was Pong, so it got pretty monotonous. <laughs> I mean, that was actually before Pong. We were so young. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. And right. we were just, you know, being a little naughty with the lady that lived across the street who my mom was like, oh, she's she's not a very nice person because she chased my brother off the grass with a broom. And, and he was like three years old and just learning how to ride a tricycle. So she kind wow. of she kind of gave us a carte blanche to just be like, well, we don't like you, lady. You're the mean lady across the street. So... We were kind of naughty, but yeah, there was there were some interesting pranks. But I mean, it, it never went to the level that we're taking it in this film. But um, it's definitely like <laughs> it's next level. It's definitely yeah. next level shit. But it's good. It's good. I'm excited about it. And yeah, I've got some great movies coming out, and and I've just been. Um, Really, and I've got this other pilot that looks like it's going to be shooting in March, and they've called me in for awesome. that. We just did the cast photos for that at the beginning of the week, and that's exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I could really fill my day if I tried to, but I yeah. sometimes kind of lazy about it. <laughs> and sometimes I just want to go and walk a labyrinth or something, you know. <laughs> Right. Just like just need to unravel all the Absolutely. <laughs> so I really wanted to talk about the Black Mass. Uh the story is close to us since we all well, you met, you know, a couple of us in uh Florida and Nico lives in Tallahassee. We're all Florida State fans. Tallahassee's basically a second home to the rest of us. You mentioned before about how it was important to you that this movie didn't glorify the serial killer. Can you talk about that some? Yes, I think that as an entertainer or anyone in the entertainment industry, there is a huge level of responsibility. And if there wasn't, then we wouldn't have as many regulations as you actually have to pass through. And, and, and I think that sometimes because 
we want to get the story out there. We want to tell the story the way it was. You have to create a reality of what that was. So like in, in any documentary or any, or any film, let's put it this way, any film where someone's going to be exploited, someone will be exploited, right? The character has to experience being exploited. That human who's playing that character will get exploited to do the part of being exploited. So there's a catch 22 there, right? Yeah. We're showing serial killing by someone who has literally zero empathy and just a sociopath. And how do you do that without inspiring others? I think is really what it comes down to. And it has to be, I I guess like so disgusting is really what it comes down to. No, maybe like people that are super sociopaths watching that don't even feel like it's disgusting. So I don't know. I think that what helps is the, um, the awareness of allowing us to profile certain scenarios that are happening, maybe not exactly a person per se, but Certainly what's happening in this scenario and why do I feel uncomfortable right now? I mean, I say to my daughter, the, the most thing you can do right now at your age is just be so aware of your surroundings at all times. And, and that means exactly. putting the phone down and checking yeah. out where's the exit upon arrival to everywhere. Where's the exit? It's not just in the way I came in. There's got to be another one. Just like as a habit, where's the exit? Then two, who's here? Who's here? Who's looking at me? Who's looking at me for a long time? Who's looking at me and giving me the freaking ABGBs? <laughs> you know, that takes mm-hmm. literally five seconds to do that. 10 seconds if you really want to be NCIS about it. But I think that Given what they did in the Black Mass and they created this um, reproduction of the night of those horrific slayings, murder, um, you know, it it kind of just allows us to remind ourselves to always be looking out for others, um, you know, obviously, especially women looking out for women, but, you know, men looking out for women. I heard this great story um, about this guy who wrote this letter to the woman who stopped him from taking his very drunk girlfriend home that night from a club. It was just this open letter, dear girl, who questioned me about my girlfriend and our relationship as I was pouring her into the car because she was too drunk to walk on her own. She said, excuse me, excuse me, who, who is this to you? And he said, it's my girlfriend. She goes, well, I'm going to need to see some photos of the two of you together on your phone. Wow. 
I mean, the wherewithal to be that swift about it, to follow somebody out, seeing him carry a drunk girl out of a bar, and she has the balls to go up and say to some random stranger, I need to see that you have pictures of this girl on your phone if this is your girlfriend. Good for her. Good for her. Good for her, right. And good for him for having them. (laughs) He was like, yeah, I sure do. But, yeah, I just think that there's just – you know, they made that movie so horrific, so scary. I had to close my eyes and shut my ears a little bit. That's how scary it is. I mean, because for me, the only scary things that I really watch are documentaries. Well, that's it. That's, that's the scary scariest stuff, stuff, I think. It's the scariest <laughs> yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But like, I understand the the um, the scripted scary stuff because it is important to tell these stories. But, like, I had just dropped my daughter off at school with, you know, her three roommate dancer party. You know what I mean? I was just like, this is too close to home. I cannot do this right now. It was hitting me in a place that was so intense that I was just, I couldn't. And and I knew that it's like, okay, and this is what happens. I mean, there were people in the audience that night at that screening, um, people that, we're part of that sorority. Wow. And so it's, it's good that like, great. You're telling this story. It's going to be a dialogue in some way, shape or form. It will help women look out for other women. We can't stop this kind of stuff. How do you stop people that you don't know what they're doing in their basement? You can't, but you can be aware of what's going on when they, when they submerge, you know, when they come mm-hmm. into society and you you're looking around and you're paying attention to who's a creepo, who's creeping, who's creeping, who's following, who's who's being too freaking different. Sorry, you gotta blend. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. My friend got me this coffee cup. It says be the kind of woman that when your feet hit the floor each morning, the devil says, oh, crap, she's up. <laughs> That's good. Uh, there's so many horror alumni in that movie. A bunch that we've had on the show here. Lou Temple, Lisa Wilcox, Eileen Dietz. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the cast and work with them? Well, um, you know, I didn't really get to work with any of them, but I've worked with Eileen in the past, and Eileen and I share the same manager, and, and she's just wonderful. She's so much fun, so funny. And uh, we didn't have any scenes together. Or Lou Temple. I love him. He's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was just I'm, – I'm excited to always be in in a cast that, that wraps other people around, you know, the mm-hmm. same genre and I did definitely get to see them at the rap party, which was cool. So that was fun. But, uh, yeah, Lou Temple's so cool. He's, just, he's so cool. He's, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> he is awesome. He really is. He is. That drawl. <laughs> yeah. He talked about yeah. baseball with me for like 15 minutes on a Saturday morning. It was awesome. So Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I could talk baseball for at least 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole chapter on it in my book, actually. Nice. Oh, awesome. on baseball. Mm-hmm. It's the best sport there is. Oh my God! High fiving, high fiving you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thoroughly agreeing. Yes, it really is. It's it's a it's a culture, 
and yeah, it it's um, it's like it's like the way that golf kind of you know slows down your day and slows down a walk and or or destroys one. <laughs> but, <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but it does. Like baseball is like oh, okay, you know you're here. You just get ready for the the length of it, and then yeah. you know you embrace that part. It's like you're mm. like hoping for extra innings sometimes on a sad Sunday afternoon, and it's just going great, and you're just <laughs> in, immersed in the uh, yeah, just the whole vibe. I love everything about it. But you know me, I grew up on Vince Scully, and yeah. you know one of the greatest baseball voices. Oh yes, for sure, he was an angel. You know, I caught a ball. With my hat at Dodger Stadium, <clears throat> excuse me, and Vin Scully was commentating over it, and it's That's pretty crazy. damn That's remarkable awesome. because he's awesome. like, "Oh, and a nice catch down there, ha ha! Yes, indeed, you deserve a curtain call." Oh, he's like, "Aha, the hat, the old hat trick," because I caught it with my baseball. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. You still have it. Oh, I do. I have the whole thing. I'll send you guys nice. a, a piece of the, the video. It's it all got um, photographed because uh, it was on Spectrum and oh yeah. And you know, oddly enough, I had a friend who was working in the Spectrum booth, and I get a text. The first text I get is, "Did I just see you catch a ball with your hat?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. And he's like, "Oh my god, I'm sending you the footage right now." So I had the footage. It oops, nice. like immediately, and and I told my brother that day because I've been given these once in a lifetime seats over and over and over again by my friend who who owns these seats, and she's always like she loves taking me because I'm a super super fan, and uh, and they're really they're right on the field, so there's a lot of action. You get tossed balls all the time from the players. It's right there. It's just right at the perfect spot, just to the left of the Dodger dugout. I mean, it was really just like such primo seating. But because it's so primo, there's a tremendous amount of action that hits those seats, especially if a lefty yep. comes up to play. You're like, okay, everybody, put your red wine down. <laughs> so, and I'm there with my three friends, with Miranda, who owns the seats, my friend Lisa Wilson and another friend Kristana Loken, who's the female Terminator from T3. Right. And she's literally drinking red wine. And you see the it's like, oh, and one the count. Oh, and he flares one off third. Oh, and a nice catch down there. I, of course I've memorized Vince Scully's part. But <laughs> I have honest to God, one eye on Justin Turner. And one eye on the ball because I don't want to be that nationally televised idiot that's like right. destroying a play. Terrific. Right. So I'm like, holy shit, he's not moving. Justin's staying there. He's like, I'm not taking it. And I'm like, oh my God. And I left my glove in the car. So I can't go back and get it because you can't come back into the stadium once you leave. So I'm like, right. oh my God, I caught the ball because it just missed the edge of the thing where you can put your beer and stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> bought it and the first thing I did was look up to Vin Scully to see if he saw me do that. <laughs> That's an incredible yeah. story. 
That is an incredible story. Pretty awesome. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we kind of, I guess we got on baseball through Lou Temple, uh, through all these cast members. And that's kind of a, a good segue into my next question here. Something I've noticed that some of the cons and, you know, I want to say you guys even spoke a little bit whenever you went on Daniel and Scout's show at uh, Spooky Empire. Um, there's this bond that so many women in this horror community have. And, uh, you know, Halloween, yes, but it's not just limited to any franchise, really. I mean, can you? Can you kind of speak to that some? Because I know you are at the center of it. <laughs> yes. Well, we look out after each other because it's the right thing to do. And and I think that we all share, um, I guess it's maybe like a trauma bond in a way, like this thing of where we know that you get hired because you're going to bring the vulnerable fear factor. And for women, you know, that's the thing that we're terrified of is ever having to be in those real situations. And as an actor, right. you embrace it and you, uh, you look for those opportunities to have a realistic traumatic experience <laughs> it sounds so awful when you say it like that but you're um you're signing up to to bring a reality and if you don't then well everyone's going to be able to tell that you are not right. doing it and why wouldn't you this is your job so but because you know, that, that you have that. There's also other things that can come into play too that are equally as terrorizing, like weirdo producers who are trying to, True. you know, F with you or, you know, um, whoever or, or actors that don't know boundaries or, you know, having to just be covered in blood and screaming your freaking right. face off and, and, you know, just, I think it's just like, you know, it's it's like this kind of um, silent club of scream queens. And we all just go like, I got you, girl. It's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, I know you're, and, and you're, you know, we're all like these little kittens, right? We're all like these very sensitive beings, but you have to be really super strong for this business. Otherwise, it just, you know, it's soul crushing. And you got you to gotta look out for each other. And I think right. that that's um, just really, really the right thing to do. It's just being a good, kind person. It doesn't mean that, you know, um, you know, this, there's nothing, nothing about this business that is a solo event you have to have well a you've got to be invited to act which is like the hardest thing because right singers sing dancers dance musicians play you know like what am i doing over here by the shores a gitchy gumi you know we kind of we're so dependent upon this team of a, being invited, B, the, the story being good, 
C or other actors, D or director, then like E through Z or crew, you know, right. like all of that is so vital. And if you don't have a solid amount of trust and respect in those areas, you're, you're playing catch up, you're insecure, you don't know who to trust, what's going on, your performance is going to weaken. Doesn't mean right. it's going to suck, but it's just going to weaken. And I just feel like every set that I step on and have stepped on, I've always looked out for somebody who knew less than myself or needed a little extra protection right? or needed a little guidance or like, who can I learn from? You know, it's not like I have all the answers, but who's going to be that mentor to me? And like, who am I going to? So I just think that it's, and that's the way life should be anyway, on or off a set, you know, be kind, look out for each other. It's pretty simple. Right. And that's, you know, kind of a great segue into my next question, because you and Danielle especially seem to share this bond uh, because of you looking out for her on the set of Halloween four, I guess when it really started. And, you know, I think she's talked about her first kiss, even being at your home when she was younger. Can you, can you kind of talk a little bit more about the, uh, talk a little yes, bit to that relationship? The first kiss Danielle and I shared was so no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> um, Well, yeah, first of all, like, Definitely. I mean, when she started, when she did Halloween 4 at 9, 10 years old, that was a huge foundation for her life. And really for all of us. I mean, I was I was 19. So I was really, you know, not that much older. But right. at a level of, you know, obviously she was the kid. And I was like, the adult because I was over 18, but still not able to buy booze. Um but still, you know, I think that it's uh, it's great that she had that because then she was always probably looking for that. And now she's become that person, too. You know, she's definitely that very kind, generous, loving, considerate, you know, mindful human that that really cares about people. And you can see that in everything she does. And she's just a great mom and she's a great wife and she's an awesome friend. And But um, the first kiss was with her and A.J. Lamas, Lorenzo's son. And uh, I was his stepmom. So he was younger than her and she gave him a kiss on the cheek and that was what it was. It was like, we had all gone horseback riding. I'd taken everybody oh. horseback riding. I'm a suit, like massive equestrian and you know, I've been riding all my life. So I'd taken the kids horseback riding. We just had this great day and had lemonade and made cookies and everything was just like, we were watching movies and, and it was just like, AJ was just like so enamored with Danielle. Which, by the way, I think every boy on the on the planet has always fallen over Danielle. She's just so adorable. And at that time, she was already like, see, I was married to Lorenzo, so I was like 24. So she was like 14. Yeah, she was like 14, 15. And he was like 
12. Yeah, it was cute. And I actually had a Polaroid of it for the longest time. I might still have it in my, I'm sure I probably have it in my storage somewhere, but he was like sitting on the couch like, oh my God. And she's like, <laughs> you know, it was just so... <laughs> literally every boy's dream on the planet right. to be kissed by Daniel Harris after a horseback ride, lemonade and cookies. It's a dream. You know, that's that's it. a dream. That's right. You can go to He's heaven now, AJ. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> we'll circle back. Okay, that and great. Kangaroo Kids, too. Kangaroo Kids is another movie that I really like to promote, which is not a horror film, but it's a really cute film that I did um, last year with uh, Branscombe Richmond, who was from Renegade. And uh, it's on um, Sunstream, S U N N Stream, which is a new platform. And that's where Renegade is playing as well. So, um, so that's kind of cool. But that has, uh, for some reason, they did not put me on the IMDb page on that one yet. But I'm hmm. called. There you go. <laughs> Talk to us about some of the upcoming projects you have. I know you can't tell us a ton, but 2024 is looking to be a big year for you with some of the stuff that's coming out. Horn Tech, Bird's Eye Witness, Vice and Virtue. Uh, what are you most excited about and why? Well, I'm well. I'm most excited about all of them. I'm I'm mostly excited about the fact that I'm working a lot. And let's just say that because I I really made a conscious effort in the last few years to get back out there and just say yes, and and that has really uh, proven effective. And um, you know, I'm I'm always happy to work with friends and. You know, getting to work on Kangaroo Kids was huge with friends. Um, Fire Richmond, he is the director and he's Branscombe's son. And I've known him since he was nine years old as well. So he was always on the set on Renegade. And that was really neat to now be directed by second generation. He's actually third generation entertainment industry and from oh, wow. Hawaii. So he's, you know, he's an, um, an Islander that came onto the mainland and made a really cute uh, children's film. But, um, you know, getting to work with Kristana Loken like, on Vice and Virtue, she produced the right. film. It's a really cool, uh, trippy premise about um, conscience, consciousness and these two characters, one is vice and one is virtue, and they are working this group of people who is has been brought into a Russian roulette game, a, a game of Russian roulette, and uh, trying to manipulate people's consciousness. And it's very cool. Um, Bird's Eye Witness is hilarious. And, or we'll see, but I think it was pretty funny. I mean, I hope. Um, <laughs> it's also going to be very crazy. It, this is about a uh, a woman who is married to a, a man who is, um, gosh, I'm try, going to try and tell this without giving too much of it away, who is, he runs a, uh, a funeral home. And his wife, that's me, has been running a uh, caregiving um, facility. And my caregiving 
has been going so well that nobody's dying because I've been crushing it. And uh, so to start filling his funeral home, he starts killing my patients. And uh, that's pretty cool because I live at a funeral home with him. And that was, those are really cool locations, mausoleums and right. cemeteries and stuff, which are always so uplifting and fun to share. <laughs> but, you know, very quiet. You know, you can get the dialogue in places like that. No interruptions. <laughs> um, oh, Eric oh. Roberts plays my dad in that, which I think is pretty cool because I had just seen him in Babylon and he played Margot Robbie's dad. So I'm like, me and Barbie, we've got the same dad. <laughs> sisters. <laughs> We're totally sisters. Margot Barbie. Um, so that's a really cool one, Birds I Witness. And then Horn Tack, which I also filmed in Kentucky, did some, did some really good Kentucky filming. Kentucky has got a really great, uh, tax incentive with the uh, Southern Kentucky Film Commission. You can get 35% of your film back like that, which is wow, pretty nice. remarkable for all those yeah. independent filmmakers out there. Southern Kentucky Film Commission, Tom Kathleen, Ken Monsenshaw. Um, so horror tack is this really cool horror film. I'm going to say horror film, but also a thriller. I'll say horror film because, you know, it deals with, you know, one of my favorite documentary, um, topics, which is the cult and, you know, just pick one, just pick a cult, any cult, right. it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> So my character was born into a cult at 12 years old, escaped with my boyfriend who becomes my husband. And then, uh, and they've got kids to play us younger, which is really cool. That's always fun. And uh, my son who I had with my husband um, gets pulled back into the cult and uh, I have to, and I, I have to go back and, and get him out. And that's pretty gnarly because they've been doing some heinous ritual shit that is creating some funky ass monster uh, scenario and like nice. some real evil, creepy ass shit. So <laughs> people who like that kind of stuff, you're going to get completely entertained on this one. <laughs> nice, and no it's doubt. fun. I'm like, I'm super action mom. <laughs> which i can still do you know i'm not not some wimp i mean i can still pretty much run pretty much run. <laughs> <laughs> oh linda hamilton kenmon over here that's right damn it look at these guns look uh, at them they're cans yeah. that's right seriously they are the cans i pity the fool <laughs> I know you look at me and you think Mr. T. Oh, yeah. yeah. My gold that's, the first, that's the first place I went. First place. <laughs> when I took my glasses off a while ago, that's who I thought we were interviewing for a second. So. Isn't it weird? <laughs> I know. It's that filter. <laughs> I do have to ask just one Halloween question. With oh, all these different okay. timelines and different directions that Halloween can go, it's kind of at a bit of a crossroads. I've seen a lot of support, even from Danielle and Ellie and Dwight Little, about a requel 
a Halloween four part two of sorts. What are your thoughts on that? Obviously Kelly can't come back, but you could play a different character. I'm sure everyone would love to see that. I could come back as uncle Kelly. No, uncle. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> now you could come back as, as Kelly Meeker's mom. I mean, we never saw her in the, uh, in Halloween four. So there you go. How about Kelly Meeker's really cool aunt? Oh, yeah. even better. Right? Even better. Like her super hippie, you know, pretty much MDMA out there. You know, when people are like really like always kind of tripping in between here and there, anything can happen to that character. There you go. Whoa, what's that? I could just be like <laughs> Uncle Keanu Kelly. Holy you just want to have. You just want to go have fun, Felman. That's what you want to go do. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, a pretty good yeah, Keanu I mean, impression. Thanks, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be really, really great. I've I've been wanting to get into the, you know, into this Halloween franchise again, and and I tried with um, what's that guy's name who directed the other ones. Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie. Oh, Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie. Yeah, all Rob Zombie fans are like, what the hell? She can't remember Rob Zombie's <laughs> name. Dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I just got to remember, like, the zombie. Um, but, yeah, his wife looks so much like me that it, it's just, you know, it's just yeah. not going to happen. But she's, you know, she's awesome. And, uh, you know, it would be great to be just given another opportunity to be a part of that again, because a lot of people who've been in a Halloween movie have actually been in a couple. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, so maybe like, and I mean, if you, but if you bring me back, then you would have to bring Sasha back too. Oh, very, very true. I have been trying to get Sasha on this show forever and I cannot oh, really? get him on. I cannot get him on I'll, the show. I'll yeah, tell him to I've call had you. Ellie. I've had Ellie and and you. But I cannot get Sasha on the show. Oh, I'll make it happen. Anyway. I'm going to be the superhero for you. Oh yeah. Oh, you already are superhero. You already are. <laughs> I mean, you called a baseball that... with your cap. So yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to send you that video. Literally, I always tell Please people do. like besides giving birth, this is the video that is. <laughs> <laughs> so you would have no walking on Remember that one? Riding away on a wing in a prayer. That was the greatest American hero. Who it. could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Like Kathleen Kinmont, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh my God, what's in this coffee cup? <laughs> no, Ryan, no kidding. <laughs> really great about coffee cups is you can literally put anything in there. Nobody knows what the hell. No one's going to question it. And you just think that you're no, never a question. Never just question. don't leave it empty and act like you're drinking because that is like my pet peeve on on movies where it's like. You can tell that they're not drinking anything, and that just bothers me. I don't know. Why. You know, <laughs> that and pushing around a bunch of food on a plate. Oh, you know yeah. Big Bang Theory some... is bad for that. Gosh. Oh, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Well, or, 
or when they got this big elaborate breakfast laid out and they, they walk in, they take one bite and they're out the door. It's like, what is that? <laughs> every, every breakfast show ever. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. We have a scene like that on Kangaroo Kids. And it's me and the little boy who plays my son. And he's so adorable and cute. He's like five or six, very young. And he's not feeling good in the movie. He's he's sickly. And that's my character is, is someone who doesn't care how much it costs. Just get me the kangaroo. And my kid wants a kangaroo. Get him a kangaroo. It's literally like Tiger King, but in a nice way. <laughs> I don't care what that exotic animal is going through. Get him over here. That's right. It's close enough to his habitat. We'll play some. We'll play some crocodile Dundee, and he can hear some Australian people in the background. Anyway, it's just like so classic. But I'm so so rich in this movie. I'm just, this character is just filthy rich. And we have one of those scenes where it's just me and my teeny tiny little kid who are having breakfast at this outdoor patio scene. And there is literally like enough food for 10 to 15 people. Like, it's like I'm trying to murder this child with food. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like child abuse. That's what I said to the prop person. And she's like, should I'm like, I don't so wasteful. She's like, don't worry, the crew's gonna eat it. I'm like, I but <laughs> reality factor. I get it, it's a comedy, you know. It's yeah. like comedy portions. Right. Also known as Denny's. <laughs> right. Denny's on steroids, it sounds like. Comedy portions. Yeah. The French look at it and they just go like <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's like revolting in um, in mass. But anyway, yeah, I do love those scenes where it's it's so ridiculous with the food. But you guys, <laughs> you are a feast, and I truly appreciate being brought to your table once again and being fodder for your feast. And uh, you know, this is really nice. So thanks, thanks yeah, for just, well, thank you so so much for for coming on, Pleasure everybody. I should. I should have been nicer to Quentin Tarantino. Go buy it on Amazon right now. Thank you so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. It's it's a pleasure every time. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much. It was a blast. Thank you. Absolutely. Don't do it out there.